This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. I'm Brad Watson. Today, Jeff Vanderstelt is joining us again to talk through uh, how our life with God uh, actually shapes us as disciples, how our personal, uh, even seemingly individual journey in prayer and silence and solitude with God uh, shapes us as disciples. So, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, before we kind of jump into that, Jeff, you've been working hard uh, for Saturate recently. You've shot uh, three different video series this summer. And so I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit about what you've been working on uh, so that we know what to look forward to. Yeah, we we shot a video companion series to our Saturate field guide uh, in taking our church, Doxa, through it this last year. I realized it would be helpful to get some snapshots shorter teachings around each kind of major theme in the Saturate Field Guide that people could then use to uh, springboard into conversation. So we created a whole set of videos for the Saturate Field Guide. We created another companion set for the new Gospel Fluency Handbook that's coming out. And then I Mm. worked with Lifeway Publishing as well to uh, do a whole video set around uh, the curriculum they're going to be releasing, I think, in 2018 based off a sermon series I did called Making Space for Mm. What Matters Most. And it's really looking at the wisdom for everyday life from the Proverbs and how do we start to make space for these really important parts of our life that we often say we know are valuable, but we have no time for. So uh, that that was really good, too. So, yeah, a lot of time in front of a camera this summer. Thankfully, that's not all I did. (laughs) Uh, Tried to rest as well uh, because... We work really, really hard all year long, and so got away with the family uh, to get out on Lake Michigan with my parents and brothers and wives and kids, and uh, went out to the coast and got away with just my wife and kids for a week as well. So just needed to kind of get that rhythm of rest in the midst of all the work that we're doing, but it was a good summer. A lot got done. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Resting is a lot getting done, too, so that's exciting. Yes, Yeah, so something sort of shifting into our topic that we get asked often is, uh, are you saying you don't grow as a disciple if you're not with your community? So often people kind of take the leap from uh, our conversations on discipleship being life on life, life in community, and life on mission, and say, oh, so so nothing happens apart from the activity of the group. So if I'm not with someone in my uh, community, then I'm not growing as a disciple, which for me, I'm an introvert. It sounds like a nightmare. Uh, or it seems like, uh, as well, people ask, you might miss on some, miss out on some big things. Uh, so how do you respond to that question when people are saying, oh, wait, so you don't do anything on your own? It's just in community? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting uh, that that's now the question, because I think what we when we first started equipping people to be disciple makers in all of life, we realize that so many people have been steeped in the spiritual disciplines, reading their Bible in the morning and praying and, you know, some of these other practices, fasting and mm-hmm. solitude and silence. And, and so in some ways we, we were trying to correct 
that and say it can't only be you all alone all the time and going to a church service sitting all alone and just living life with a personal relationship with God and no, nobody else. So in right. saying, well, there's another aspect of the spiritual disciplines and they're communal in nature. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's confession of sins. There's uh, forgiving one another. There's bearing up with one another. There's evangelism. There's uh, reading the scriptures out loud together, public reading of the scriptures. I mean, there's all these communal disciplines that mm-hmm. I think we're getting overlooked. So in our emphasis towards that, I think people thought we were throwing out the baby with the bathwater and walking away from them. Now, we'd say absolutely not. I think the mistake we've made, though, is that maybe we assumed that too much. And so really, in this stage, we're trying to emphasize not only is it life on life, life in community, life on mission, but it's also life with God. It's you mm-hmm. being with God in life. And that includes lots of things. I mean, that that's going to include uh, you know, solitude and silence, fasting, praying, waiting on the Lord. I mean, there's so many different things that are absolutely necessary for your spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'd add even another thing, because the question was, you're saying you're not growing unless you're with people. I'd say the beauty of God's work in you is you're growing when you don't even try. (laughs) (laughs) You're sleeping and he's sanctifying you, you know, like he began Mm -hmm. a good work in you and he's the one who brings it to completion. And yes, we partner with him in that work. But the beautiful thing about God is that God is changing you when you don't even know it. And so I would say you're always growing, but there does need to be intentionality about how you engage in your own personal walk with God. uh, Because how that gets worked out in community will be largely connected to also how you work that out with him. Yeah, I think that's a really wise thing to say that 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 God is sanctifying us, whether we're we're whether we're asleep or not. You know, in in traffic when we're listening to sports radio, He can even be transforming our hearts. And I think that that's also a big point is to say uh, it's something that used to be assumed, but now can't be. Because uh, I'm yeah, I've I'm a young person. I'm only 31 years old, and I can remember in college and right after college, just, just this big movement of people saying, you know what, we don't, we shouldn't do a quiet time anymore because that's so like legalistic fundamentalist or something like that. Uh, fasting is, is too, you know, ritualistic. And it seems like, yeah, there's this, this, uh, lack of rootedness that especially people in my generation have, and we're kind of tossed to and fro and we don't actually know how to connect with God, in any intentional way. Yeah, I think you're you're right. It is interesting that things that matter most to us are the things that we're willing to practice. And unfortunately, when you start when you call something a, mm-hmm. a legalistic, it probably means that it doesn't matter to you, um, you know, or that you right. believe that it's being forced on you versus it's a privilege and an opportunity. You know, interesting thing about just quiet time, spending time in word and prayer in the morning. Uh, my my mom. Uh, before I had ever experienced genuine regeneration, taught all of her boys, I grew up in a family of four boys, taught all of us to be in our Bible every day. And uh, and it was legalistic. Mm. I mean, I did it because I was told to, you know. And <laughs> and yet, when I hit my deepest, darkest place in life uh, at 21, I've had several darker places mm. since then, but the, up until now, then, that was the darkest. When I hit that place and I was away in Spain studying o- overseas, uh, I never stopped reading my Bible, even though it was just purely legalistic. And it was in the midst of me reading my Bible as a legalistic activity 
that Christ broke into my life and revealed himself to me and changed me forever. So <laughs> I don't hmm. care at this point whether I do it for the right <laughs> motive or the wrong motive. Uh, at the end of the day, I trust God's word has power. Right. And God can speak through it to me. So I, I tend to not be as concerned about that as I used mm-hmm. to be. But the other side of it, I would say is, man, I'm legalistic about working out. I don't like to work out. I have a friend who knows that about me. Yeah. So he says, here's the days we're going to do it. And here's, you know, you're going to lift weights on three days. We're going to do cardio on the other three days. And every time I get up to go do it, I tell myself, I hate doing this. And every time I'm done, I say, thank you for having a friend that's willing to be that kind of person in my life to not let me go away from the stuff I need. So I think, I think that's how now, mm-hmm. thankfully I don't feel that way about reading God's word and prayer, but there are days when I can say, well, I'm too busy or, you know, I just don't can't make the space, and right. it's never good if I miss out on the things that God wants to do in my life through mm-hmm. those opportunities. Yeah. So then, how do you, you know, as you're equipping folks in Washington, how do you equip people in these disciplines, uh, in this life with God? Uh, because you, you know, you can't you can't sit with someone and show them and teach them solitude <laughs> because then they're not in solitude because you're standing yeah. there or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or walk around with them all the time of fasting, which I think is one of the, it's one of the things that these, these individual disciplines lose is you don't have the the community sort of carrying you through these things. So, so how do you actually equip people uh, to well, live I think, in this I life think you, you can do it with community uh, in the sense that a community commits to these things together. So, uh, for instance, uh, our staff mm-hmm. uh, at, our, at DOXA, I've asked all of them once a, once a quarter to have a day of solitude. The week prior to that week when we're all going to take that day of solitude, our staff mm-hmm. meeting is about how do you do solitude and how are we going to walk through our day of solitude. And then we all do our day of solitude by ourselves, of course. But then the next day we come back together mm-hmm. in our staff meeting and we process through, okay, what did God show you? And what are you teaching? What's he doing in your life in those moments? And, you know, that's what I'm doing as a staff, but I'm wanting to have that happen across the entire church. As, mm-hmm. as leaders of church, we have to lead our church to do it by doing it ourselves. And so I'm expecting my leadership to lead an example. And so then mm-hmm. I think you can do the same thing with in a community group or a missional community or small group where you could say, hey, we're all, let's all, let's do a little, a brief study on what it looks like to spend time in solitude. Uh, here's maybe even a template to follow. And then let's all commit to do it. And then we'll come back and tell each other how it mm-hmm. went. So I think there's a communal commitment to do it, but to you obviously do it in isolation. Um, yeah. I think, I think the, another way to approach this, if you're a church leader, is to create space in your gatherings on Sunday to expose people to these basic disciplines. I think that the liturgy, which is the order of your service on Sunday, uh, the word liturgy literally means work of the people. The point of a liturgy is that you're, mm-hmm. you're taking people through a process of experientially going through the things that they should start to practice in all of life. And so periodically we'll take space in a gathering and just have silence and say, listen yeah. to God or um, confession of sin. Um, and you, you can do some of these things in those forms so that they'll go do them on their own, or you can teach on them and give illustration in your own life of how it's affecting you. So I think leaders got to lead by example. They've got to teach on it. They've got to provide experiential opportunities for yeah. it. And then I think I, if I were, a, if I were in a group, I am in a group, but if I was in one mm-hmm. of these groups in another church trying to teach them how to do it, I would just say, build into your calendar, all these rhythms for your people to start practicing 
and start doing teaching on it and then give them specific opportunities to practice it mm-hmm. and come back and reflect on what it was like doing it. Uh, John Mark Comer is a pastor of a church in, in Portland, uh, mm-hmm. and it's called uh, uh, Jesus Church. His church is called Bridgetown. It's the one downtown. Uh, right now, what they've been doing is they've been, they've been calling all the church to uh, commit to a practice uh, for a month uh, until they, they become effective at doing that practice, mm-hmm. whether it's fasting or prayer or silence, solitude, Bible reading. Uh, they're, I think they're reading through the same Bible reading for the year. Uh, so mm-hmm. they, they have a collective or communal commitment to the practices that then they do privately, and yeah. then they come back to their groups and share what that's been accomplishing. So I think a communal commitment, a church-wide uh, commitment uh, that leads people to begin to do it and know that they're not alone in trying to learn how to ex- really experience these practices is really helpful. Yeah, that's a really great point. And that even that reminds me of some of the reasoning that went behind for us in Bread and Wine in Portland celebrating or observing Lent as a season leading up to Easter. And then we celebrated Eastertide following it is because it provided for us this regular rhythm where we could teach people about fasting, about prayer, about silence, and then just ask people, hey, for six weeks, we want you to to do this and do it. We can all do it together and we can all uh, encourage each other, support each other, you know, train each other if someone's really gifted at this or, or strong and has that habit or not. And it was always interesting yeah. after the fact to see how many people just didn't stop. You know, like people at the end of once Easter came and we, you know, added in some of the very celebratory, you know, rhythms like feasting and, and these other things, they they continued on saying, man, this this whole like fasting before celebration on Sunday is huge. I'm going to always fast on Saturday so that the and then I'll break That's my cool. fast with communion with the saints on Sunday morning mm-hmm. or man, reading the Bible every day is actually not that complicated. Like I could totally do this and ask the simple four questions of who is God? What has he done? Who are we? And then how should we live? Like I could, I can actually do this. Uh, kind of like what you said, working out, you know, it's like yeah. the gym wants you to commit to a month and then you'll, you'll be hooked kind of thing. So, yeah. And, and, and those, those communal practices are so important. I, I know for us, we, yeah. we have once a quarter prayer night, uh, that we fast the the night before mm-hmm. through the whole day, and then we all go eat together a celebratory meal, and then we spend the night in prayer. Um, mm-hmm. And I think just some of those things together uh, can train people how to do them alone. Mm-hmm. And same with Bible reading; it's you know we're we're called by Paul, at least he called Timothy to do this, to not right. to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture. So, how do people learn how to read their Bible? They read it together, and well, that they can learn how to read it alone. Yeah. Same with prayer. Uh, we encourage every one of our missional communities to, right. to uh, pick one Sunday gathering a quarter that they're going to pray through. We have people praying through all of our gatherings. And so they, as a missional community, come. An elder leads it so that they get trained in how to pray for at least an hour, mm. and hour and 15 minutes. And many of them have never prayed that long in their life. But after they do it, they walk away realizing, man, I could do this in my own life. So I think there is that communal practice that leads to personal uh, uh, ongoing experience. Yeah, definitely. And whenever those things get put on a calendar or, you know, for you guys praying every Sunday, someone has to oversee that and communicate it and cast vision for it and equip it and all of that communicates so much about the importance of prayer, right? And 
it's the things that we're working and putting time time towards that that show young disciples Mm -hmm. mature older disciples these are the things that are important in following jesus and i think that also kind of ties into the reality that um our life with god or, or practicing these disciplines have a huge impact on the way we engage the mission of god the way we engage community too uh you know like we after my days of solitude, I, I come back and I'm the best listener, best, you know, like I'm engaging my wife in a way that I haven't. I'm engaging people because I all, all, all of a sudden have these ears uh, to actually hear. And so they, they have a big impact. Uh, how have you seen impact of people's life with God on the life on mission, life in community? Well, it's interesting because at the heart of our ministry and mission is this concept of hospitality. And hospitality fundamentally is making space for someone uh, to be present, to be known, <clears throat> to be loved, to be even transformed, uh, have their needs met and have their hearts changed as a result. And so it, I've found, just like you said, that when I engage in regular times of silence and solitude, what I'm fundamentally doing is I'm making space for God to invade my space. I'm making space for God to enter into my world and speak to me and to change me. And in a sense, I'm also being invited by God to enter into his space. Uh, He's hospitable. He has room for me. And so in those moments of silence and solitude, I experience the hospitality of God inviting mm-hmm. me in. And I also learn how to invite God in to my world. And I think that when you learn how to do that with him, mm-hmm. you're, you're equipped well to begin to do that with others. And I find that the people that have the hardest time making space for people in their life are the people who haven't yet made much space for God. And I've also found the people that have the hardest time listening to people hmm. are the ones who rarely make time to listen to God. And the more that I make space for him, the more that I listen, make space for the spirit to speak, yeah. the more I find myself at rest with people and able to be hmm. hospitable, able to just, just be with them. I mean, think about the last time you were really present with somebody. And hmm. if you can't think of it, it's because you weren't. That's why. But if you were present with them, you remember it because you took something of them in. You you welcomed a part of them into your life and it Mm -hmm. it makes an impact on you. Uh, And yet, how many times are we with somebody and we're primarily thinking about ourselves, Mm -hmm. what they think about us, what we're going to say next? How we're going to retort their thought or, you know, trump it with a better one, whatever it may be, instead of we're so present that we they actually permeated us. Like in a sense, we got mm-hmm. a part of them into us. And so I think, I think at the very heart of these spiritual disciplines is, right. is learning to be present with God so that mm. we can also then learn to be present with people. And there's a life-giving reality when you learn how to do that as yeah. well. Uh, I think the reason why most people drain us mm. is because we're consumed with ourselves while we're with them. And so we're, yeah. we're so busy trying to make an impression or trying to control them or trying to <laughs> right. get what we want from them that we're exhausted when yeah. we're done. Instead of we were just mm-hmm. willing to go, I'm just going to take you as you are mm-hmm. and not feel the need to change you or fix you or control you or manipulate you because you aren't there for yeah. that. You're there to, to be. You're a human being. So I think there's something about just it makes us at rest 
which makes us mm. present, which makes us so much more loving to people anyway. Right. Yeah. And the the implications of what you're saying there, which I think is, is true, is that it's not so much that we need this life with God or, or Sabbath or or any of these other things so that we don't burn out while we're doing the mission. I think the implications of what you're saying is, no, to even have the 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 life to welcome the mission and pursue the mission can only come from when we take space and make space to have a life with God. Yes, and I and I would say just so it, I, it doesn't go without saying the the reality of me taking time to be with God in silence, solitude, prayer, fasting, whatever form I take as I walk through those disciplines. What I'm learning is I'm learning to commune. I'm learning to be mm-hmm. with Him and He with me. So it's John 15, right? Abide in me and I in you and you'll bear much fruit. And I'm learning to do that not so that I can walk away from him and mm-hmm. now go do something else so that I might walk with him into what I'm about to do. And in a sense, the goal of the disciplines is that I get him. Yeah. And and he's the, he's the joy of mm-hmm. my salvation is him. Yeah. And it's not, it's not that I get to do something. It's that I get to be and mm-hmm. be with and he with me. So I think then that changes how I minister because when I'm with people, I'm with God while I'm with people and God is with me while I'm with people. And so not only am I present with them, but God is present with them and with me in the midst of that. And so it's, it's not just so I won't burn out. It's, it's, it's the whole point. (laughs) God God isn't some means to an end. God is the end. Oh yeah. And, uh, life in him is the point. And so, so I'm not going to experience the abundant life he has for me if I never, ever walk with him. And, right. and, then, and, then, and then, of course, you will burn out if you don't have him because yeah. you were not made to exist without him. Yeah, exactly. You, you're choosing the exile That's out right. of the garden, That's right. right? Yep. Which I think that is why it can send uh, some sort of alarm bells into our head whenever we hear about leaders trying to to lead a, a community on mission without this sort of stuff, without these, the, the love and the desire and the discipline to, to do these yes. things, you know, kind of how we talked about earlier, the people who are quick to forsake reading the scriptures because it's legalistic are people that didn't love it yes. to begin right. with. Right. And so I think that is why it's kind of scary is because then it's, who are we making disciples of if we're not abiding in Christ, if we don't hear his voice, if we're not orienting our life and our schedules around how can we commune with God? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Yep. Um, Jeff, we like to often in the podcast point people to resources that are really helpful uh, around the topic. What are some of the resources that you would recommend to people who may have never, you know, sort of dove into these uh, spiritual disciplines or something that's just been helpful for you recently to, to kind of learn and grow in these oh, things? Well, there's so many. I, I mean, I, I've always appreciated Richard Foster and the works he's produced. I think Thomas Merton is a really helpful, yeah. uh, you know, older voice for us. Uh, I think, I think any of the church, early church fathers is, you know, they, they cultivated this, these kinds of lives. They, uh, you know, they mm. just, and you could find tons there. Um, but man, there's so many, it'd be hard to, to you know, to, to list them all. <laughs> um, those are yeah. some of the top ones for me. Um, that I've found have been really, really helpful over the years. Uh, I, Piper wrote, you know, Desiring God, um, which is real helpful yeah. in terms of 
just understanding a longing for him and uh, and just hungering for him in terms of fasting. Um, so those are some yeah. of the top ones for me. Yeah, no, that's great. I think that just those few are, are really, uh, really helpful. And yeah, Foster's kind of classic work, Celebration of Disciplines is a great one to look up. And yep. yeah, I think that that really points people in the right direction. And, and hopefully on Saturate, uh, we'll begin to kind of create some of those resources too that can help people, you know, plan a day of solitude or, or you know, experience that silence and solitude together. Uh, that's something to look forward to as well. Yeah. Jeff, thanks so much for, for joining us. I think this is a, a crucial topic. Uh, it seems like every topic is crucial, but you know, everything we're sort of lunging towards in this podcast is trying to uh, live out the implications of the gospel and, and enjoy the fruit of the gospel. And so, yeah, this conversation has just been a way of kind of hopefully orienting our lives to to not neglect what we what we get as the fruit of the gospel, which is God himself and his presence and, and his life in our lives. So thanks for joining us. Uh, it's good to be with you. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. This podcast is produced by Saturate. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.